0: Is
1: it kind of hot in here? I don't know. Maybe you can open a window or something. Get it. It is pretty hot. I'd rather uh, people be freezing and awake than warm and falling asleep. So maybe you might open a window, Matt. If you don't mind. If it's freezing and okay, but uh, let's go to Nehemiah chapter two. Nehemiah chapter two. And. While you're turning there, I just want to give you some background in case you don't know much about the book of Nehemiah. Uh, It's a a really, again, a great book. Um, But in this time, in Bible times, a wall carried great significance. It, it, It brought protection to the city that was surrounded by it. It symbolized strength. And a city without walls was seen as useless, weak, and uncontrolled. So remember that. Just to give you a proverbial image, Proverbs 25, verse 28, the Bible says that he that hath no rule over his own spirit is like a city that is broken down and without walls. So that shows you there's a negative connotation attached to uh, a, a city that does not have walls. In other words... Uh, somebody that has no self-control, they're like a city that's without walls. They are unstable, they're without security, they're vulnerable, so it's a very negative thing. It was not good for a city not to have walls in this time. Now, in Nehemiah 2, where we're going to look at, the walls of Jerusalem had been destroyed because the Babylonian king uh, destroyed it. And, and where we're going to look at, the, the walls were like this for about 150 years. Okay? Now, uh, again, it was mentioned this morning about Ezra. Ezra describes a time when they tried to rebuild the temple. They tried to rebuild the wall. Uh, but they stopped the project because opposition came. Uh, so, so Nehemiah, in chapter 1, he, he inquires about his home city of Jerusalem. And to his surprise, he heard that the walls and the city was still in ruins. It was still like it. And he was shocked to hear that. And as a result, he wept and he mourned and he fasted because he was burdened about the devastation uh, because of the fact that the walls were still broken down. And by the way, Nehemiah was living a pretty comfortable life. His job did carry some risk, but I want you to understand he was a cupbearer for the king. He was a high-ranking official. He was an advisor to the king because he had a job that required a lot of trust. So his his king trusted him and no doubt would ask him uh, for... Advice. So I mean, he was right there next to the king uh, here, and uh, yet, despite that, he asked the king, after hearing this news, if he could go and rebuild the wall, and he was granted permission. Now, you may say, well, why would anybody do such a thing? Why would somebody leave behind such a life as that, where you you're you're right next to the king and you're in the palace, you have safety and security? Why would somebody leave that to do this job? To rebuild a wall that nobody's built for 150 years. And I'll tell you why. Because God put it in his heart to do it. Look at Nehemiah chapter 2 verse 12. It shows us that. It says, And I arose in the night, in verse 12, and I, some few men with me, neither told I any man, look what it says, what my God had put in my heart to do at Jerusalem. Neither was there any beast with me save the beast that I rode upon. So, God put it on Nehemiah's heart to build this wall. And our text this afternoon, where we're going to look at verses 17 to 20, it shows us where Nehemiah is inspecting the wall. He went under the cover of darkness to inspect the wall. He snuck over there to see the damage, to see what it was looking like. And he begins to rally the troops to take part in this project that God had put in his heart. And, you know, knowing what we're going to take on this year with our building project, the theme, Rise Up and Build, is very fitting. It's really fitting. And I I know that that building a church building is not the same as building a wall. I get that. But again, there's so many wonderful uh, corresponding principles that's found in this book that will help us as we go along through this project. This book includes many things that we, as a church, will encounter uh, as we go forward with this. And there's a lot of parallels to consider, some of which we'll look at this this afternoon. Uh, But you have vision and planning. You have leadership and teamwork. You have opposition and criticism and and prayer and dependence on God and commitment and involvement and sacrifice. You have all those things and more. And it will really help us out, I believe, as we go through this. But look at uh, verse 17. And we'll read down to verse 20. And I got an outline out of this. And and we'll see here in verse 17. It says, Nehemiah said unto, unto them, Ye see the distress that we are in, how Jerusalem lieth waste, and the gates thereof are burned with fire. Come, and let us build up the wall of Jerusalem, that we be no more a reproach. Then I told them of the hand of my God, which was good upon me, and as also the king's word that he had spoken unto me. And they said, Let us rise up and build. So they strengthened their hands for this good work. But when Sanballat the Horonite, and Tobiah the servant, the Ammonite, and Geshem the Arabian heard it, they laughed us to scorn. And despised us, and said, What is this thing that ye do? Will ye rebel against the king? Then I answered them, and said unto them, The God of heaven, he will prosper us. Therefore, we his servants will arise and build, but ye have no portion, nor right, nor memorial in Jerusalem. So this afternoon, and I mean this when I say this, I got five brief points. Okay, five brief points. Uh, As we go through this, uh, first, uh, look at verse 17 again. We see the clear need. We see the clear need. He says, Then I said unto them, You see the distress that we are in, how Jerusalem lieth waste, and the gates thereof are burned with fire. So the need, Nehemiah said to them, Hey, listen, the need's obvious. The walls are broken down, the gates are burned with fire, it has to be rebuilt. The city was lying there in waste. And this brought a great reproach on the city, but also the name of God, which we'll look at that in a little bit. But while the need to build this wall was obvious, I want you to remember again, it had been like this for a long time. The Jews, they had just decided to live with it the way that it was. They thought that this was a 150-year-old problem that nobody could fix. They just accepted that this is how it was going to be. Well, this is how it is, so we're just going to live with it. We're going to learn to live with it. You know, uh, uh, they've tried to fix it in the past. It couldn't be done. It didn't work. Uh, so they just accepted that this was how it was going to be. And uh, they just allowed the city to stay in ruins because it seemed like it was an impossible job that nobody could fix. And you know what? I'm not being mean when I say this this afternoon, but these Jews, they remind me about, like, they remind me of a lot of Christians. That are just comfortable with living the things the way that things are, even if it's disastrous. Maybe they live in bondage to sin for years, even though it makes them miserable. Or, maybe in regards to the church, they hold back the church for making progress for God because they are afraid of failure or they hate change. And we all know that Mainers love change, amen? <laughs> and I can say that because I'm a Mainer. Uh, but, but a lot of times, people would rather just have their life and their church be in ruins and be held back as long as they can stay comfortable in it. Now, that's the way that a lot of people think. Rather than have the church be at a standstill, or rather, they'd rather have the church be at a standstill and, or go backwards even than to step out by faith and do what God would have them do. So Nehemiah, he goes to the people, and he says, You see the distress that we're in? You, you see what I'm seeing here, right? You see how we are in distress even still after all these years. You see that the city is lying here in waste. The walls are broken down. The gates are burned with fire even still. You see everything that I'm seeing, right? And that's what he was saying here. The need was obvious. They needed to build the wall up again. And again, church, when it comes to our building project, the need's obvious, isn't it? It's obvious. On Sunday mornings, as I mentioned before, people struggle to find a seat. They're not going to come back. Right or wrong, that's just the way it is. Therefore, we need a bigger sanctuary. The teens, as I mentioned before, they're in the boiler room. Therefore, they need a classroom with the rest of the church. Dan said this morning, he said they had 11 people, 11 teenagers in there. I said, how did you all fit? I can't remember, he said something about sardines or whatever. But the need's obvious. The fellowship hall. I mean, you saw what I saw, right? He was full. He can't even move. Okay? We need a bigger fellowship hall. So again, it's obvious, isn't it? We need a bigger building to facilitate more people to reach more people with the gospel so that Christ can better build his church here in Holton, Maine. You see the same thing I'm seeing, right? <laughs> Hopefully. It's obvious. The need to build a wall, it was obvious. But the Jews, and they kind of needed somebody to just come along and give them a little encouragement. And they really needed somebody on the outside, like Nehemiah, who was a Jew, but he was on the outside as he was with the king. But they needed him to just give them a little encouragement and to push them uh, to get to it instead of being comfortable in their mess. So we see the clear need. Secondly, we see the call. Look at verse 17 again. We'll look at the last part of 17. Well, we look at, I'll read through the whole verse. It says, Then said I unto them, You see the distress that we are in, how Jerusalem lieth waste, And the gates thereof are burned with fire. And look what he says. He says, come and let us build up the wall of Jerusalem that we be no more a reproach. So Nehemiah, he made known that the need was clear. The need was obvious. And then he called the people of Jerusalem to get on board. Nehemiah was convinced that this was the right time to build. There was no more need to keep waiting around. There was no more need to continue being comfortable in this mess while our our city uh, is lying in ruins. And he was telling them, look, we need to get to work. He called them to get to work. He called them to get building. And notice his motivation, the last part there. What, What he says, he says, that we be no more a reproach. You know what that means? That we no more be a disgrace. Now, to have a city broken down like this with the walls that are broken down and gates burned with fire... It would bring a great reproach on Israel. But more importantly, it would bring a great reproach on their God. Because Jerusalem was God's city. And to have it lie in ruins like that would look bad to God, to, to, in the eyes of the people and make their God look bad. So Nehemiah, he, he sought to motivate these people, uh, not with earthly incentives, but rather for God's glory. I like what David Guzik said. He said that Nehemiah did not offer rewards, incentives, or vacations out at the Sea of Galilee for the ones that got the job done. He said those are all external motivations and they are not God's highest calling. So church, the motive was the glory of God. Nehemiah was telling them we need to get to work so we stop bringing a reproach upon our city and therefore upon our great God. We need to build this wall for His glory. And again, as it relates to our building project, church, when it comes to this building project, it should be done for the glory of God. It should be done to reach people for Christ. It should be done not for a man, but for God. Look at, let's go to Matthew 5. I want to look at a couple places in Matthew, actually. Matthew 5. And uh, look, at, look at verse 16. Jesus' Sermon on the Mount here in Matthew 5, look at verse 16. It says, Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify God your Father, which is in heaven. Hey, you know what? Building a a church for God's glory and trying to reach more people for Christ and getting a bigger building to do it, that's a good work. That's a great thing. And I pray that as we do this and we step out by faith to do this, that, that God uh, will be glorified in it. And I, I pray that, that people will see the building and know that it is of God and that God will provide and we can glorify God in it and that, the, that people that are lost can see it. And I pray that the building will be used for years to come, that God will use it to bring people to Christ, that God will use it to help save marriages, that God will use it to restore families, and that God will use it to encourage and challenge God's people to live holy lives and just to continue pressing on. That's what I pray that the the building will be used for. Just as this building has been used for that. So seeing God being glorified, and I want you to hear this. Seeing God being glorified has to be the motivation for doing this. Because of this, manipulation, guilt, and earthly rewards cannot be used as motivation to get this project done. It can't be. We need to keep our eyes on God through this whole process... Because this project is about Him, and it's about reaching people for Him. Now let me remind you that you cannot allow any earthly recognition to be a motive for taking part in getting this done. Now hear me out when I say this. If you donate a lot of money to this building project, and you help get the job done in that way, we will be grateful to God, but we are not going to give you a plaque with your name on it. I'm just saying... You're not going to get a gold brick. with your name on it. Now we laugh about that, but this is something that happens. I remember uh, when I was 17, I think we were going out and looking at Bible colleges. Went to Michigan, went to Illinois, went to North Dakota, and I can't remember, I think Illinois, the one out in Illinois was the, the second one we went to. And as soon as I walked in the door, I told Alan this a few weeks ago, as soon as I walked in the door, I knew I was not going to Bible college there. Because I walked in the entryway and I look on the wall and there is plaques with people's names on it with the amount that they had given to the building project. Pastor was up there and it was like something like $10,000 the pastor gave and, and everybody else followed behind him. And then you got the second tier, you know, if you weren't quite as spiritual and you didn't give $10,000, but you, could get, you gave $5,000 and you got to the next tier. And then they had a third tier, $1,000. That's wrong. I don't know how they get around Matthew chapter 6. And if you would, just turn there. You should be right there. I don't know how they get, how they get past this verse, which is by Jesus. This is what he said. Look at Matthew 6, verse 3. It says, But when thou, thou doest alms, let not thy left hand know what they, thy right hand doeth, that thine alms may be in secret, and thy Father which seeth in secret shall reward thee openly. How do you get past that? You don't. So again, if you give to it, then praise God. This, but remember, this is not for this is not about you. This is about God. This is about reaching people for God. It has to be done for the glory of God. So, so Nehemiah, he called the Israelites. He, he said, look, you got to get on board. You, you see the need. Let's take care of it. And that's kind of what this message right now is. It's, it's showing us this is the need. This is what we need to do. And really, we need from all of you here uh, this afternoon, what Nehemiah got from the Israelites. Let's go back to Nehemiah chapter 2. And we'll look at verse 18. We see the clear need. We see the call. And thirdly, we see the commitment. Look at verse 18. In verse 18 of Nehemiah 2, it says, Then I told them of the hand of my God, which was good upon me, and also the king's word, that he had spoken unto me. And they said, the Jews said, Let us rise up and build. So they strengthened their hands for this good work. So Nehemiah, he let them know. He's like, hey, listen, I got approval from God, most importantly. But I also got approval from the king. He was assuring the people that that this was of God. God was working behind the scenes. And we know that the, the, the heart of the king is in the hands of the Lord, right? God was working behind the scenes. He was doing all these things. He had given them approval, and so had the king. So Nehemiah, in essence, was saying, hey, listen, I'm going to build. What about you? I'm going to take part in this project. I'm going to do what God's called me to do. What about you? And upon hearing this, the Israelites proclaimed, hey, let's rise up and let's build. Let's get to it. They committed themselves to this great work. You know, I think it's interesting, and um, I, I, I like how the people did not bring up the past failure that happened before in Ezra. But instead, they believed that God would enable them to complete the job. They didn't say, well, you know, we tried it before and it didn't work. I don't know if we can do it. It's kind of scary, right? They weren't like, no. They had faith in God and they believed that he was going to help them do it because they had the affirmation of the Lord. They were on board. They were ready to do what God had called them to do. And again, this is when it comes to a building project, this is necessary for, for everybody to make sure that, that we are doing this for the glory of God and that we are committed to Uh, it takes the hands of everybody to accomplish a great work like we're going to see uh, with this building project. And we know Nehemiah couldn't do this by himself. He needed people to rally around him, and they did. And by the way, I want you to understand that these people, as they rallied behind Nehemiah, they were risking their lives to get this job done. So you know what that means? That means that it took sacrifice. They, they, They could have been killed by the enemy if they saw them trying to build this wall. But again, they trusted God to see them through. And while they trusted God, they sacrificed their time. They sacrificed their efforts. They sacrificed their security. They sacrificed their comfort. So again, for a while, I've said that if we are going to do this project, it's going to require a commitment. And I, I, again, I just don't want this to be a surprise to anybody. Know that we will have to sacrifice time, and we will absolutely have to sacrifice uh, finances and comfort to get this job done. And you know, it, it may be, And just think about how uncomfortable it might have been for these guys to do this. Somebody mentioned before that they had, I, maybe it was Doug, I can't remember, or maybe it was Alan, but they had to, these people they had to build with a hammer in one hand and a sword in the other. Right? I mean, imagine how uncomfortable this would be. Well, look, it may be uncomfortable for you to see the church to take a, a, a real big leap of faith in order to get the money to see this, this building built. There may be conflict about construction or priorities, and, and you may be asked to sacrifice financially so that this building can be built. But again, knowing that this is going to further the work of God, we can do it with a cheerful heart, which is exactly what God wants us to do. God loves a cheerful giver. So as a church, we need to be committed to this new build. And as committed as these people were with building the wall of God's city. Think about this. Will you be committed in this? Uh, And look, I just want you to know now, it's not going to be easy. There will be hard times. There will be difficulties. There will be hurdles to get get over. But are you going to be willing to sacrifice your comfort and your finances so that we can get this job done? Hey, listen, if we're going to grow, we're going to have to have growing pains. Right? Are you willing to take part in what God's doing? Uh, we, we need all hands on deck. We need commitment. And listen, church, as we do this, we need unity. Because listen, once we step out by faith to do a great work for the Lord, opposition will come. And we find this with uh, two people on the outside. Let's go back to, you should be there, Nehemiah, uh, chapter 2. Fourthly, we see the criticism. Look at verse 19, the criticism. It says in verse 19, But when Sam out the Horonite and Tobiah the servant, the Ammonite, And Geshem, the Arabian, heard it. They laughed us to scorn and despised us and said, What is this thing that ye do? Will ye rebel against the king? Now, Sanballat and Tobiah, they were actually high-ranking officials. They were also Jews. So they were fellow brothers of Nehemiah and and the citizens of Jerusalem. And you would think that they would support a work like this. You'd think they'd be like, man, yeah, let's go. Let's, Let's build this wall. But they didn't. They didn't want want any part in that. They did did not care about the welfare of Jerusalem. So first thing, as soon as Nehemiah and these people step out to do something for God, opposition and criticism came their way. And this was not the the last time that this would happen either. This would happen time and time again. There would be critics that were on the outside that would come to Nehemiah and try to discourage them from building the wall. Now, I really want you to understand this. You need to know this. The moment that we step out, by faith, to do this building project, and those on the outside, they get wind of it. And I'm mostly thinking and talking about lost people. Once they get wind of it, opposition and criticism will come. It will. Just like we see with these two men, too, it, has, it comes from people that have nothing to do with it. And just so you know, I've already had this, this happen. I've had people criticize uh, that have gotten wind of this project, and there are people that don't even go to church here. They don't even go to church here, and they, they get wind of what we're going to be doing, and they're all they're all criticizing about it already. So, you can count on it, that things may be said from the outside, from people that don't have a clue about God, they're not part of the church, uh, and and they have no clue about the reason that we need to do this. They may be People that say, and I've, I've heard this in the past before too, They may be people that say, well, you know, I can't believe that a church should spend that much money on a building. They should just give all their money to the poor. Right? You know, Judas said the same thing. <laughs> right? Now, I'm not mad at people like that, and I'm not going to be mad at people like that. We need to love them, and we need to show them grace for sure. But here's what I want to encourage you. Don't even bother with that. Don't concern yourself with that. We must never be more concerned about what people may say about us than what God would have us do. And again, we're not going to be the first ones that get criticized by lost people for stepping out to do something for God. Uh, you, You think about the fact that nearly anybody that accomplishes anything for God, they will face ridicule. I mean, you look at Jesus himself. How often did he get criticized? He got criticized during his life, he got criticized when he hung on the cross. I think of Acts 2 on the day of Pentecost, some of the Jews on the cross said, "Oh, the disciples are drunk." What are they doing? They don't What are they What are they talking about? Acts chapter 17. Greek philosophers called Paul a babbler. He got criticized. He got opposed. Acts 26, Festus told Paul that he was out of his mind. But look what God used Paul to do. Man, Paul did great things for God. So many are turned away, oftentimes, from God's will and stepping out by faith because they may, they may experience some scorn. and They, they get afraid of, of what people on the outside may say. But, but look, as God is leading us in this direction to build this church, we cannot be controlled by fear of failure or by fear of scorn. We have to just keep plowing ahead. Just keep doing what God calls us to do. Just keep on being faithful. Just keep on building. And that brings me lastly to the last point, the confidence in God. Look at verse 20. After the, the criticism from people on the outside that had nothing to do with the came, look what verse 20 says. We see confidence in God. Speaking of Nehemiah, then answered I them and said unto them, the God of heaven, he will prosper us. Therefore, we his servants will arise and build. But ye have no portion, nor right, nor memorial in Jerusalem. Now, in most cases, when it comes to uh, critics like this, it's best to ignore them. But sometimes destructive criticism requires an answer. And so Nehemiah, he answered them. And there are two parts to Nehemiah's answer. First, he says, God's going to take care of this. The Lord, he will prosper us. He's, he's on board with this. He, he, he's got our back. He, we're just going to keep on building. Regardless of what you say. Regardless of what the men in authority thought, uh, they were going to continue on. And Nehemiah reminded these people, hey, God is for us. And listen, church, if God is at the center of what we are doing, then fear will be devoured. He has to be at the center of this. And Again, when it comes to the building project, I have absolutely no doubt that God will provide the funds to complete this and to see it accomplished. And the amount that it's going to take may seem large, but listen, it's nothing in God's economy. We serve a God that owns a cattle on a thousand hills. He owns everything. So as we step out by faith to accomplish this task, He will provide. And that was Nehemiah's response. He said, listen, the God, the God of heaven, He's going to prosper us. But the second part of his response, I think, is, uh, is even better. <laughs> Look what it says. It says, therefore, His the servants will arise and build, but ye have no portion, nor right, nor a memorial in Jerusalem. He, in essence, is saying, Them, hey look, you don't belong here. God is doing a great work here and you're not even a part of it, so just move along. That's what he says here. And you know, no doubt usually the, the most critical people are the ones that have nothing to do with what God's doing in his church. The loudest critics are usually ones that are on the outside and have nothing to do with it. But again, regardless of the opposition that comes our way, we need to continue on. And as we do we need to encourage each other in this work. Hey, hey, look, let's build each other up when it comes to this building project. Look, let's be excited about this. Let's have faith in God to accomplish this. Look, do not be, please, 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 don't be like Sam Ballant and Tobiah. Do, do not let a hint of negativity come from you. And I'm not talking about I'm not against making suggestions about the building. That's totally fine. But what I'm saying is, don't be like these guys were. Don't be walking around trying to stop the work of God. And please do not be walking around here saying things like, oh, I don't know if this is going to work. I'm so afraid. I don't know if God can provide. I don't know if we should do such a big project. And please don't say, I don't like change. Please don't. (laughs) Instead, instead, encourage each other. Instead, look forward to what God's going to do. Be positive and be uplifting. And pray for God to bring in the funds and be willing to be used to bring in the funds yourself. Instead of being negative, be excited. Listen, this is an exciting thing. Yeah, this is awesome. I've, I've talked to people even recently of, of churches and churches that have pastors even. And their churches are dwindling year after year after year. I heard of one church locally that their things have gotten so bad that they had to share finances with other churches. Hey, thank God He's growing our church. And I believe, you know, the, where the word of God is being preached that he will bless. But we need to thank God that, that that this church is growing and that we have to do this. This is awesome. That's an exciting thing. It sure is it sure beats going backwards, doesn't it? I, I mean I think so. Maybe you don't. Maybe you're still slick from the meatballs. I don't know. <laughs> But we need to keep going forward and encourage each other as we do it. Encourage each other. Be excited about it. You know, Warren Worsby, he once said that anybody can go through life as a destroyer, just like Sam Ballant and But he said, but God has called his people to be builders. So let's be builders. As we embark on this, this journey to build this new church building, we need to let Nehemiah's example guide us. We need to recognize the need. It's clear. We need to answer the call. We need to be committed wholeheartedly. But we need to face criticism with confidence in God. And we need to let, allow His glory to be our ultimate motivation. And I, wanted, I want you all to remember this as we do this. Remember that we're not building walls. That, that's not what we're doing. We're not just building walls. We're, we are creating a space where God's going to change lives. Lives are going to be transformed, marriages will be restored, and God will be glorified. So let's be builders, not destroyers. Let's have unity and faith and a shared commitment as we rise up and build. Let's move forward together in anticipation of the incredible things that God can do through us. Again, this is awesome. This is exciting. So a couple questions to consider this afternoon. Do you have a burden in your heart to do the work that God's called us to do? Are you willing to sacrifice to see this work accomplished? Are you motivated to take part in what God is going to be doing in this church and what He's doing already? Are you willing to follow God? Are you willing to put your hand to the plow and get the job done? Are you willing to sacrifice your finances even for the glory of God? Let's rise up and build together. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes this afternoon.